Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Praise the Lord. Yeah, well, as you can see, I made it into Israel which was quite something. I didn't even use the oxygen tank or the wheelchair. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I didn't stay at the house the first night. My friend Zavi and Tammy invited me to stay in their house. I mean, I, I don't know if I, they, I think they had to because the last time I was there in Israel and I said, I'm coming to Israel. It was about 13 years ago. And they said, um, well, where are you going to stay? And I said, well, at your house. I'm waiting for you to invite me. So that, they, I guess I have a standing invitation now. But anyway, it worked out really well because then when I went through customs, they were, you know, all about, uh, well, uh, you know, what are you going to do here? And, uh, I'm going to see friends. And uh, where are you going to stay? At my friends. And uh, where does your friend live? And I said, he lives in Jerusalem. Well, what's the address? I don't know. You don't know his address where you're going to stay. I said, he's out there. His name is Avi. You want to see him? He says, go ahead. So anyway, they let me in. All right. So that was it. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a great God, a God that we can sing from our hearts to God be the glory because of the great things you've done. Lord, help us tonight to see some of these great things that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verse 26, Romans 3, 26, this is the, the passage that we really want to focus on this evening here. An amazing statement is made here about a great thing that God did and uh, in Romans 3.26, Romans 3.26, which, which is a very simple verse, but profound, because it describes God in such a marvelous way. It says, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Now, that's an amazing statement, that God could be both just and the justifier and this was, it really came home to me on this trip from Israel because I saw there in Israel more Orthodox Jews than I've ever seen before. Obviously, that's where they are. <laughs> and all of the Orthodox Jews that are there are really trying to do one thing. They're trying to justify themselves by what they do and what they don't do. And for the most part, they all believe 
that they have the only way to do that. They have the only way to make themselves just before God. And they're very firm about they have the only way. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think I met the only Orthodox man in Israel that accepts that he doesn't have the only way to become just before God. His name was Yosef, Joseph Yosef. And I met him on the plane from London to, to Israel. There, he's obviously Orthodox. And I, and I walk up to him and I, I said, hi. And so he talked, so that was a good sign. And, and we had a great time, we became friends. And obviously he knows I'm not Orthodox, so, so he told me, he got stepped forward and he says, you know what, it's okay that you're not Orthodox because I don't wanna change anyone because I accept everyone for what they believe. That's what he told me. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna put that to the test <laughs> a little bit later, but I didn't say that now. And I think he was the only Orthodox person I met that accepts everyone for, for what, what, what they believe. As a matter of fact, we became such friends, and, and he said, uh, it was on Sunday, we were traveling Sunday morning, and so yeah, the day before was Sabbath or Shabbos in Yiddish. And so, he, he's, he, and Friday night is the Shabbos dinner and everything. He said, what did you do on Shabbos? Well, you know, I kind of dropped my head, you know, in shame, so to speak. But he said, okay, next time you come to my house for a Shabbos dinner. I thought, that's good. And then, then, then he said, then he said, and where did you stay here in, in, in London? I said, well, I stayed at the, at the hotel, the Ransauce Hotel at the airport, and, and it kind of dropped my head again. And he said, next time you stay at my house. I said, okay. So uh, that's, that's worth a whole new trip back to London just for that. But it, it was interesting that he said that he accepts everyone for what they believe. Now, it was interesting because this was a trip of Joseph's because I met another Joseph, and this Joseph was sitting all alone on a chair at the Wailing Wall, and he was all dressed in black with his black woolen coat, and he was sitting right in the sun, and, and the temperature was 109 degrees. And he was sitting there, so you know, I, I walked up to him, and, and I said, aren't you hot? You know, and then I asked him, what do you practice? You know, what kind of Orthodox practice do you practice? Anyway, he said, and he said, Nachman, of course, you know, which means that there's no other Orthodox Judaism to practice except Nachman, which is a man's name from Breslov in, in, in Russia. Everyone should be practicing Nachman, Orthodox Judaism, as a way to become just before God. That was his position. And he was interesting because every time I mentioned that he was reading the book of Deuteronomy and, and there was a big print Deuteronomy on the top of his page and a little print down there. I said, well, what's that little print? He said, well, that's a commentary. That's, that's Rashi. I said, oh, I hate Rashi, I told him. You know? So that made a very interesting conversation as well because Rashi adds a lot to the scriptures. But anyway, um, then every time I would mention the name of the Lord Jesus and say that you know he was... Yeshua HaMashiach Adonai, he was Jesus the Messiah, God. Every time I said that, he spit, you know, and he did that twice, you know. Anyway, that was the second Joseph. And, and then I met a third Joseph on this trip, who's actually my friend, his name is Joseph, but he goes by the name Yossi. And, and, I, and you remember when I wasn't here, I went to, to Montreal, Canada, it was to his wedding, or maybe I was here, I don't remember. Anyway, in Montreal, it was his wedding, and his form of Orthodox Judaism is Chabad, and as a matter of fact, when we met at the coffee shop, he brought the tefillin, 
and wanted me to put that on the Chabad way. And I told him, no, I don't want to do that. And that was another interesting conversation. But anyway, the point is, is that there are so many Orthodox Jewish ways in Israel. There's the, what we call the Haradi Judaism and the Hasidic Judaism and the Sephardic Judaism and the Zionist Judaism and the anti-Zionist Judaism. And, and each one sees themselves as having the only right way to become just before God. And, and as a matter of fact, if you drive a car in one area of Jerusalem called Mira Sharim, and you drive there on Saturday, that's a bad idea because they will break the windows out of your car. Even when you park it there, they'll come up and break the windows out of your car. And as a matter of fact, you know, they kind of get a little violent. So as a matter of fact, the police force in Jerusalem wanted to infiltrate some of these Orthodox groups to learn, you know, about them because of the violence part. So the, the Jerusalem police sent in four undercover police, and they dressed them all up to look like Orthodox they dressed him in the black, you know, with the, with the, the, white, the white ribbons, the tzitzit ribbons off their pants. They, they black beards, and, and they looked perfect, and they sent him in. But what the police didn't realize is, was that each one of those sects I was talking about, they have their own style of how to dress. They have their own style of black pants. They have their own style of black hats. They have their own style of black shoes, and the police didn't know this. So what happened is they sent in these undercover police, and they were all mixed up. You know, they were wearing the black shoes from one group and the black pants from another group and the black hats from another group. And, and to them, the, the Jewish police all, all looked the same, but they were immediately recognized as phonies. Uh, what happened was that they started to beat up on them. Three of the policemen escaped. The fourth one almost died. He, he was just about beat to death. So each group has their own way of dressing and what they must do and they must not do, even to the point of, of saying, you know, on the Sabbath, you can't do the work of tearing the toilet paper off the roll. That's a sin. So they have to tear all the well, squares off before the Sabbath, you know. Okay. So all these different sects of Orthodox Jewish people, they're not noticeable to us, but they're very different from each other. They all believe, though, that they have the only right way to make themselves acceptable to God, and they're working very hard at it, even sitting in the sun in 109 degrees weather with a black wool coat on. And what they're doing there is described in Romans 10.3. In Romans 10.3, it says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that's what you see there. It's so evident with all these Orthodox Jewish groups that they're going about trying to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to be just before God. And all these, these, all these Orthodox Jews are trying to answer one simple question which was asked in the oldest book in the Bible, in the book of Job, and it's one question, uh, Job 9.2, Job 9.2, the question is, how should man be just with God? That's the question. How should, and they all believe that they have that answer. And that's the ultimate question. How should man be just with God? And that question is asked by man, how should I be just with God? And for a seeking heart that looks at all these forms of Judaism, that is not engaged in one of them, but he's coming in there and says, well, I want the right way. And so he's looking at all these ones. And that person who has a seeking heart would say, would someone please tell me, how should man be just with God? That old question from Job 9.2. But you know what? Man is not only the one. Man is not the only one 
who's asking that question. God is also asking that question. God is saying, how, can man, how should man be just with God? Because God made man, and God loves man, and God does not want to see him cast into hell because he's unjust. So God also is fervently looking for an answer to the question, how should man be just with God? I mean, this question is asked by man. This question is asked by God. How should man be just with God? This is the question that brings both man and God together with the same problem, the same dilemma. How should man be just with God? And the problem is really more complicated for God than it is for man because of who God is. And he's described in Isaiah 45, 21. Isaiah 45, 21, where God says, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There's none beside me. See, God is just and God is a savior. What makes it very complicated for God because God is both a father who saves and he's also a judge who judges. And this creates a great conflict for God because God looks at man as a father. He wants to save man. And God says, shall I, as the father of man, give man over to the judge who's gonna destroy him for his sins? That's how God the father looks at man. But God the judge also looks at man and says, shall I, as the judge over man, give him over to the father who would save him? I mean, do you remember that part when we saw when we looked at the fiddler on the roof and that one scene there where his Tevya is just pushing his milk cart? You remember that? And, and it was that on the other hand scene. That's what I call it. On the other hand scene. Where Tevya looks at his daughter who married the Gentile and he's conflicted within. And he says, How can I turn my back on my people? And then he goes through, on the other hand, how can I deny my daughter? See, it was that whole conflict. That's how God is caught in a conflict of a great, on the other hand, tension like Tevya was. See, God is both a just God who judges, and he's also a savior who wants to treat man as a loving father. So God is caught in this on the other hand. On one hand, God is a just God, and he looks at man, and he looks at his sin, and God says, Ezekiel 18.4, Ezekiel 18.4. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God says that the person who sins must die because God is just. There's no other option. The soul that sins must die. And sin cries out for judgment like, like the blood of Abel from the ground. And he said to, Dan, said to Cain, the voice of your brother's blood is crying unto me from the ground. But on the other hand, on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, God looks at man as a loving father, and he says also in the same book of Ezekiel 33.11, Ezekiel 33.11, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It hurts God to judge sinful man with death. So what's God gonna do? Shall God the Father love the sinner and just forget the sin and forget the penalty of sin? Or shall God the judge hate the sin and just forget the sinner, he's conflicted. Which side of God is gonna win out? Which part of God is stronger and would win over with the other? Will it be the love of God or the law of God? That's what it comes down to, love of God or law of God. Will it be the love of God is crying out, love the sinner, forget the sin, don't judge him. But the law of God is crying out, judge the sin, judge the sinner, forget the sinner. 
And this is the conflict that was going on inside of God. This is the conflict between love and law. And how could the love of God and the law of God be reconciled? How could they be reconciled? This was the huge dilemma for God. This was a huge problem for God. God had to come up with a great solution to this problem that satisfied both God as the Father and satisfied God as just. And God had to both love us and judge us. So if God asked man, if God came to man and said, you know, I got this big problem, what do you think we should do about this? You know, what's the solution to this problem? Man would say, well, that's easy, that's simple. He said, just compromise, that's all. Just make the law of God give in, fall down to the love of God. You know, like my atheist friend in London, who, when I spoke to him about hell, when I spoke to him about hell, he, he said to me, Tom, I'm surprised that you believe in hell because you believe in a loving God. And I explained to him, well, the reason I believe in hell is because God talked about hell and Jesus talked about that more than heaven. My atheist friend, yeah, my atheist friend, and uh, we were together, we went to a restaurant and we were waiting for Uber. I thought, this is great, Uber in London, I love that, but anyway. We were waiting for Uber taxi to come and you know on your phone you could see how lost they are trying to find you. So, you know, we were both looking at our phone, look at my phone, you know, how the guy was driving all over the place. And my friend says, my atheist friend says, oh, my God. And I turned to him, I said, really? <laughs> oh, my God, really? Yeah. Anyway, I told him, it doesn't sound like an atheist, oh, my God. And then, then, you know, the Uber guy was going way off, and then he said, oh, Jesus. I said, very good. <laughs> good step. I said, you know, just now, now you need to add a little bit to it. Oh, Jesus, save me. But you're on the road. All right. But anyway, like my atheist friend, okay, so he says that, all right, that I'm surprised you believe in hell because you believe in a loving God. That's not God's solution. That, that just forget about, forget about judgment because you're loving. So man looks at the problem and says, okay, here's another solution. Just downgrade sin. Don't make it so terrible. I mean, man looks at sin and says to God, look, just see my sins as only misdemeanors. They're not capital crimes. They're not felonies in heaven, just misdemeanors. You know, man, man looks at his sin and, and he says to God, just see my sins as a common illness. Everyone has. Nobody is re really responsible for them. I mean, don't see my sins as personal infections that I'm responsible for. I mean, man looks at his sin, he says, the solution to the problem, God, is, is just all, all I need is a counselor. I don't need a judge, I just need a counselor. I mean, man looks at the, the poster of the Ten Commandments on the wall at the Child Evangelism Castle in Del Mar. And by the way, it's good to have James here. He, he, he brought his daughter to the, the Del Mar Fair there, Bridget, when I was outside harassing people to come in. Uh, anyway, but, but there at the, 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 the poster, man looks at the poster of the Ten Commandments in the, in the booth, and he says, just take those Ten Commandments down. You know, don't have them there with all the no, 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 which is the way it is in Hebrew. Low, 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 low. You know, big finger pointed at you. No, no, no. It's a little bit too gentle in English. Thou shalt not. I suggest you don't do this. No. And the it, 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 way it is, no, no, no. Anyway, take those down. Because those Ten Commandments just make sin worse, which is what it says in Romans 7.13. Romans 7.13. Sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Worse. 
So all of man's thoughts about how to solve the problem between law and love that God says to man, look, all those thoughts that you've just told me about, you know, all those thoughts, he said, the problem is, is that those thoughts of how I should love you and not judge you, those are great thoughts. It's just one problem, just one problem. And, he's, and God says in, in Isaiah 55, 8, Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and, my, and your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. And God says to man, we have a conflict here of thoughts. You want me to abandon my just side and keep my love side. And I want to keep both my just side and my love side. And that means that my thoughts are not your thoughts. And you prefer your thoughts over my thoughts. So the, the, the solution, the solution that God has is the gospel, is perfect. But the gospel is not man's thoughts, and it's not man's idea. And man never would have devised this, and if he devised it, only, only God could come up with that. But even if he did, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. The gospel is not man's way. It's God's way. The gospel is not man's thoughts. It's, it's God's thoughts, and which, which is why the Bible says in Galatians 1.10, Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade, persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. Uh, after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel we preach is not our gospel, it's God's gospel. And God says to man, you have to repent. You have to repent of your thinking your thinking way, because basically you have to abandon your thoughts, man, as God speaking. You have to abandon your thoughts in order to honor God's thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Now, some people have another solution to the dilemma that God is, the dilemma that God there is, is both holy and loving, and, and then that, and we say, then that's just God abandoning his holy side and just go with the, and just go with the love side. You know, it's like, that's, that's the other hand of Tevya. On the other hand, how can I deny my daughter? And then there's a, a similar solution, another solution that man has to the problem of being in the judgment of God. And this solution was presented to me by my atheist friend in, in Jerusalem. He is my atheist Jewish friend. That makes a lot of sense. Anyway, we're driving around in the car, and I was telling him about three things are real. God, heaven, and hell. And even though he was driving... He kind of leans over, looks me in the face, and he says, Tom, hello, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it at all. I don't believe that there's God. I'm a Jewish atheist. I, I don't believe man has a soul. I don't believe it. I don't believe there's a heaven and hell after you die. And, and, and you know, because I love him, I, I, I turned to him and I said, the problem is you have a fatal disease. You have a fatal disease that the Bible calls unbelief. Unbelief. And, and, and I need to cure you of that disease. And then uh, both him and my friend, atheist friend in London, I asked my atheist friend in London, who actually started an atheist church, if you can believe that. And it's up to 50. It started with seven, now it's up to 50 every Sunday. There. Anyway, so um, I said to him, I said, is there anybody in your life that talks to you the way I talk to you? You know, is anybody in your life who talks to you about God and, and Jesus, anybody like that? And he said, certainly not like that. And so I said, well, meet your new ambassador from God. I have a message from the Lord for you, love, reconciliation. 
Anyway, so this issue here of unbelief and, and atheism is a way how many have solved the problem of God's conflict between law and love. Just don't believe in God, that's all. Problem solved. And, and, then, and then there's the Orthodox Jews, as we're talking about here, and they solved the problem by inventing all these new laws, like toilet paper, and, and, which are not God's laws. And they say, you know, look, I will blot out all these troubling thoughts that I'm worthy of judgment by just distracting myself with a very hard, difficult life of trying to keep 613 laws that I can't even hardly keep straight. And the amazing thing is that for all these people we've been talking about here, the orthodox or the ones who say God is only love and the atheist, what's amazing to me is that they all believe they are right. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Friendship with God would like to thank you for donating to the Loreto Need. With your help, a total of $10,378 were collected in donations, and 645 food baskets were delivered to the homes of the poor people of Loreto. Visit friendshipwithgod.org and take a look at the slideshow of some of the people that you supported during this difficult time. Thank you for being an instrument of God's blessing. <laughs>